0: And probably the most critical series I've preached since I've been here. But turning your Bibles to John chapter fourteen, if somebody said, "If you ever had the thought, what was the secret?" I always loved the word "secret" to Jesus' life. What what was it that in, enabled Jesus to? Uh, gather the multitudes and influence them because you may recall they didn't know he was the son of God they questioned when they heard that he said he was the son of God they questioned it so it wasn't like Jesus automatically by virtue of being the son of God had this incredible impact and influence on the world okay So, so if I could say well wow what was it was it His kindness, was it the power, the miracles, the healings? Was it love, was it grace, was it mercy, was it hope? What was it that attracted this world to the Son of God? Because if I can tap into what that was, I can live that kind of life. You say, hold it, we can live that kind of life? That's exactly right. We can live the abundant life that Christ lived on this earth. We can know it, we can live it, we can possess it. The problem is at some point in our lives when we fought so hard to do it, we often stop because we feel that we have failed so many times on so many different levels that we just give up and we just stop. This is as good as it's going to get for me. I'll never be any better than I am right now, so why even try? Because it's not about uh, being able to do, it's about being able to know and out of knowing, doing will happen. So if I give you the right information and God downloads the right information to us, then we can accelerate the abundant life that Christ wants us to live. So that's what synchronized faith is all about, is finding out what we can do uh, or what we can uh, come to know that will allow us to be able to do what we want to do. And so in John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking. He said, "Peace, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you a conditional peace. That's not the kind of peace I'm bringing to you. That I'm not bringing peace based on circumstances and telling you that circumstances are going to dictate or determine your level of peace. I'm bringing you a peace that is untouchable, internal, something that you can possess in the great midst of great chaos, you can have it. He said, "So I don't want you to be afraid. How many of you know fear will oppose your faith? I mean, right now the world's in fear, and, and that the, 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 all the news outlets are, are driving us to, oh God, it's you know the apocalypse, everything's coming to an end. We, you know, and I'll get to a little bit more of that, in a little bit. I, I, but I'm not afraid. Don't be afraid." Fear will cause you to do things out of sync with God's word. Because he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So whenever fear starts coming in, you need to know it's not God. And he said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He goes on to say, you heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Jesus says, I want you to be informed. I want you to know what's about to happen. Don't worry about it. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. Well, guess what? If Satan has no hold on Christ, he has no hold on you. He has no authority and no right, except the permission that we give him. He is defeated. He is under your feet. He was defeated thousands of years ago. And the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And if it does, he says he'll quicken our mortal bodies. So we walk around afraid. We get out of sync with God's word. And when we do, we start speaking things that are out of sync with what he's saying. Get this. And Jesus goes on. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Secret number one. Whatever the command is, if you do it, you're going to live a joyful life. Well, but, but I'm not. No. That's why we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible for a feel good. We read the Bible because it's ammunition to our soul. It loads us with truths that we can live by that will empower us. To overcome the powers of darkness and have a peace that passes all understanding. Not because the conditions are good or the bank accounts are full or nobody's been sick or nobody's been ill. But we know this. If God is for us, who can be against us? What circumstance can overtake a believer who has synchronized their faith with biblical truth that he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And in his presence is fullness of joy, and joy brings strength. So now, here are the secrets. I want to stay joyful, but sometimes that's really difficult. Matter of fact, it's just difficult all the time. Why is it so difficult? Because the enemy knows... That if we can synchronize our faith with his word, that nothing will be impossible. Nothing. Nothing will be impossible. Two stories back to back. We have the story of Mary. And an angel comes to Mary. Now, this is really cool to me. We don't talk a lot about angels. And someday I'm going to do a a study and a series on angels. Because some people think angels don't exist, but I'm telling you, I think I think angels actually really do. I I mean, I really do. Don't get freaky on me and walk out. But I mean, if this is, I mean, if they did it here, why? Like God went, okay, we're done with angels now. We're going to move on to technology. I mean, I I believe. I believe that they still happen. I believe that sometimes, I mean, I've actually, there have been times, you know, somebody standing on a street corner, I've wondered, I mean, that may be an angel. There have been times I've given money, and some people say, why would you give money? Because I think it's an angel. <laughs> See, a lot of people are critical, get a job, do this, and I'm thinking, no, there are times, you know, have you ever had that feeling when you pull up? Most of the time I don't, but every now and then it's like, give, okay, okay, okay. Because I'm, I'm just thinking God's like going, let me just see where your heart is. Let me see where your love is. Let me see where your trust is. See, we, we get critical. I'll get to that in a minute too. so excited. I love this message. So good. So an angel comes to Mary and tells her she's going to become pregnant and have a baby. Now, Mary's never had relations with a man. It's the way we have to say it in church. The word sex. <laughs> I said it anyway, didn't I? she? Never had sex. We'll probably run the nine thirty podcast. Uh, <laughs> so you've got to understand that Mary is. This is a unique moment. This is not twenty sixteen, and this is not nineteen fifty. Even I mean, this woman could be killed. Having sex outside of marriage. She's pregnant. She looks like she's going to be a single mom. I'm just prepping you because we preach the Bible so simply. Oh, isn't it wonderful? An angel appeared to Mary. You're going to be great with child. We know it's going to be Jesus. Yeah. And we read too far ahead not thinking through. This woman is in a crisis. This is not a message a virgin wants to hear. This is not that message. Hey, great, I'm going to have baby Jesus. I'll be a heroine for life. Everybody's going to know me. I'm Mary. I'm the only mother who ever had a perfect son. This is not that simple of a story. So now Mary has to start thinking in sync with this angel's word from heaven. If she does not synchronize her faith and her commitment to this word, who knows where the world would be today? And Mary, being as sweet as she was, answered, May it be to me as you have said. She said, I'm synchronized with this word. We know the outcome. Then there's a guy named Zechariah. An angel appears to Zechariah. He's on duty serving as a priest uh, before God. Angel shows up, says to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Well, wrong question. It wasn't like, well, just tell me how, but how can I be sure of this? And The impact of these words. And he said, I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. There is some wisdom in his response. He didn't call her an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Called himself an old man. <laughs> Men, never call your lady an old lady. You do have permission to say you are well along in your years, sweetheart. (laughs) That's as brash as you can get, okay? Anything beyond that, you're dead. You can call yourself an old man, and she can call you an old man because it's biblically accurate. Okay, so. (laughs) And then the angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words. You did not synchronize your response to my word. Which will come true at their proper time. Mary synchronized herself. Zechariah didn't. He wasn't punished. He was just silent. Every wife's dream. (laughs) It was some of Elizabeth's best months during the marriage. You see, the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And because some religious people have taken that out of context and said I can declare anything, what I believe it to mean is if I, I have the power to speak God's word, which then makes him responsible for that word, doesn't make me responsible, it makes him responsible, I'm synchronizing myself with him. Then I can speak death, which is, means I can do what Zechariah did and say, you know, I just don't agree. How's this going to be? And now I'm not going to die like, like, like that, but maybe the dream dies. Maybe The purpose dies, maybe the destiny dies, or it begins to die because I'm out of sync with what God has told me. And so today, I'm going to give you three primary points that I believe attack the synchronization of our faith to live the abundant life that Christ wants us to live. And uh, the very first one is, and I use the plural for criticism intentionally, criticisms are attacking to our faith, both the criticisms from others and our criticism of others, both a critical attitude towards somebody or something and our critical attitude toward others. And, and, and what it really means is our critique. So when I use the word critical, you, you might think that, that, that's, that that's just uh, just an ugly word, but some people say, well, you know, I'm just giving you constructive criticism. That depends on what side of that criticism you're on as to whether or not it's constructive. You know, if you're the one giving it and you're waxing eloquent and somebody's told you in eloquent words that you're a total idiot, why would you do that? But they use the right words to make them feel better, but you don't feel any better because it's criticism. And it attacks our faith. Now, in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, this is out of the Message Bible. And the reason this is important is you're going to see what happens with criticism. Now when somebody says the words with all due respect, they're getting ready to drop a bomb on you. <laughs> it's preface for I'm I'm going to bomb you. And so you have to be careful and you can say, well, I don't want any respect and I don't want follows what follows due respect, so just don't say it. And, and then, you know, do you mind if I tell you the truth? Yes, I do, please. I Don't tell me the truth. Because it may be your truth, but it may not be the truth. Somehow, people that possess a truth think it's the truth. But it may not be. And so they feel compelled to make sure that you know it. It's verbal verbal vomit, a VD. Those people are on a dark spiral downward, but if you think that leaves you on high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. Criticism. Now, I live in a world of criticism because I'm a preacher. I will be the discussion at lunch... I have a BLT and Mark Crow. I get it. He preached too long. Can't believe he said that. What do you think he meant by that? I can't. That's not right. I disagree. I get it. I'm okay with it. But you're not going to be. It's not going to hurt me because it's not going to land on me. But you are self-condemning by being Critical. I know none of y'all in here talk about me, but 9.30 people, they're already out doing it. <laughs> Criticism is the enemy of confidence. It not only depletes the faith in others, but it depletes the faith in you. This is I need two instruments today. That's how good this sermon is. It won't all fit on the iPad mini. I should have an iPad Maxi. All right, so I know some of you are going, does he really understand? Yes, I'm just having fun. Don't be critical. <laughs> This is my devo this morning. I hated it. I mean, I'm supposed to get inspired by devotional. It's like God went, "Mm, not today. Not so much. Got to talk to you. And God can be critical if he wants to. He's God. I mean, you know, he made it all. It's okay. He said, you've been on a long uphill journey. I'm thinking, really? I was looking around for an angel. And your energy is almost spent. Though you have faltered at times, you have not let go of my hand. I am pleased with your desire to stay close to me. There is one thing, however, that displeases me. Your tendency to complain. You may talk to me as much as you like about the difficulty of the path you're following. I understand better than anyone else the stresses and strains that have afflicted you. You can ventilate safely to me because talking with me tempers your thoughts and helps you see things from my perspective. So if you've got to complain or criticize, go to the Father. I'm sharing this with you today because it landed on me too heavy. I want all y'all to feel a little bit of it. All right, so. so criticism is an enemy of confidence. When someone criticizes you, it causes you to question you. And your thoughts and your ideas and and you know, somebody could as easily say, Well, tell me what you're thinking and why you feel that way, and begin to interrogate you to the point where you can answer them and maybe process your thoughts. But when I start coming at you saying that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of in my life, how many of you know that doesn't give you goosebumps? Oh, that feels so good. Criticism separates us. Criticism diminishes faith in us. Criticism creates doubt in us. How many of you know that you can encourage someone and God can stop them? Quit trying to stop them while God's trying to encourage them. Criticism reveal, reveals our battle with self. And this is what I discovered right here. Criticism, when others criticize us, it tests our insecurities. When we criticize others, it reveals our insecurities. So, if I'm being criticized by someone, which is an occupational hazard that I live with, it's a test of my my security or my insecurities. There are times that people, you know, would come up and, you know, throughout the years that I've been preaching, and they would say something about the sermon or. This was wrong, or that was bad, or I don't agree, or that, you know, whatever. And honestly, there are times in a weak moment where you start questioning your ability to hear God and present the Word of God. Now, I'm just old enough now where I don't care. It's like, I'm doing it anyway. And you know, I'd like to bless as many people as I can, but every now and then it's fun to irritate. So, um... Not intentionally, of course. There's an anointing that God releases every now and then. But it's been my experience. Well, how do I know? This is one of my detectors. I'm only going to share one. How do you know if somebody's criticizing you? Let me tell you how, what I've learned. If someone is talking about you to others, they'll talk to others about you. And, and, so, and then the other thing is, what I figured out is people who talk about you don't want to talk to you. They're the ones not answering the phone. They're not picking up. Uh, they don't want to talk to you. Or they're the ones that won't look at you in the eye when they're talking. <laughs> now, why is it important for you to know that? Not so that you can ridicule them, but just know you can whisper, Have you been talking about me? <laughs> well, isn't that special? Hmm. Okay. It's important for you to realize this because the question that you would have, you know, I, I know this, and I'm, I'm thinking, what can I do to, to uh, disarm this? What can I do to build a bridge? What, what can I do? Because getting back at them is not telling, one-upping the story that they've told about you or one-upping the thought that they've had about you, and so you... To, you have to say synchronized. In order to stay synchronized with God's word, or you, you, you have to make sure you're strongly denying a word outside of God's word. OK, God's word is the standard. That's what we synchronize our lives with, our faith with. If nothing is impossible with God, then nothing's impossible with God. That's just that simple. What does that really mean in the original language? Nothing is impossible with God. You've learned Greek this morning. Nothing is impossible with God. You can say, well, I'm too old, and this has happened, and I've lost. Let me tell you something. God is not moved by our our ages. He's not moved by that. Miracles can happen for your life in a minute. It doesn't matter how old you are. Most of Warren Buffett, some like 90% of his money he made after he was 50 years old. And he's one of the wealthiest men in the world. I mean, I'm just saying, if you're talking about money or jobs or professions or whatever, and and you've made your decisions and you've you've put your faith in our societal norms or standards, you've missed it. God is never going to leave you, never going to forsake you, never quit on you. So don't you ever quit on God and start believing and keep believing and believe all the time. Get up and declare it and decree it done. I have my combat. I got stuff just like, God, I thank you that you who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You'll never leave me nor forsake me, though my enemies come at me from one direction. They'll flee in seven. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me will be defeated. I'm the righteousness of you in Christ. Get out of here, devil. I have God on my side. baptizing my neighborhood right now. They look in my windows and go, what is he doing? We know he's the only one that lives there. (laughs) I'm synchronizing my life with the Word of God. I mean, how many times have we watched movies? Okay, let's synchronize our watches. Why? It's important that we work together. God has already done his part. We have to do our part to work with his part for any part to work. That's how this works. Synchronize your faith with God. Secondly, chaos is distracting to our faith. Criticisms are attacking it. In other words, it's an intentional assault coming at you. But now all of a sudden, if the devil can't get you with that, he'll create chaos around you. Maybe nobody's nobody's being critical of you, but there's chaos in the world. And there's chaos in your family. There's chaos at work. And now all of a sudden, every day that you get up to go to work, you're not thinking about the word of God and the power of God and the presence of God, but you're thinking about all the chaos at work. And, and your mind, I've got to okay, I got to put I got to get put up my defenses. No, you have to get up your offensive, which is I am strong in God. The joy of the Lord is my strength and in his presence is fullness of joy. I'm going to stay in his presence today, not in the presence of chaos, and that means joy is coming to my life, and strength is coming to my situation. I can't be around negativity, man. I I cannot do negativity. Cannot do it. Man, I I had the most negative aunt in the world, Aunt Lucille. We called her Aunt Lou. Aunt Lou's with Jesus today, and I'm not sure that she's not in some, you know, Class up in heaven called positive, positive, positive. I know you called on my name, but we got to help your mouth. <laughs> my poor Uncle Wayne had to be the nicest guy in the world. They lived on a hill in Sand Springs and looking down, and they had a, what we would today call a green belt. We just called it a field back then. <laughs> you know, we got names for stuff now. You ain't a housewife no more. You're a domestic technician. You know, I mean, so... We're renaming things nowadays to make us feel better, but they had a field down below their hill. It wasn't a green belt. It was grass. Everybody played there, and one day, she's looking down there, and there's a bunch of kids, and you know, teenagers, and you're always thinking, teenagers, okay, what are they up to, and she looked out the window. She walked over there, and she looked at Uncle Wayne. She said, I bet they're a part of it. Uncle Wayne said, a part of what? She said, whatever's going on. It's just like, it's, oh, okay. If something's being stolen, I bet they're a part of it. It's, just it's so distracting. Just the chaos or the busyness of life will cause our minds to get off track. Silence chaos by considering the source and content of what's being said. When Jesus was being accused in Matthew 26, he was listening to who was speaking and he knew they didn't really know who he was. So he considered the source. You know, come on, man. I mean, if you have kids, there's at some point one of your kids said, you're the worst mother in the world. You're the worst dad in the world. And then you think about it, there, and some of you fall prey to it. Oh, my God, they know everything. They're 15. They can't hardly tie their shoes. They can't clean their room. They don't know how to iron. They don't know how to do anything. And you're listening to that criticism? I don't think so. <laughs> my response is, why don't you leave home now while you know everything? It's not even worthy of a response. It's like, you're terrible. Oh, please, honey, I'm trying. No. Blow him a kiss. It doesn't, it's not worthy. Don't dignify it with a response. Seriously? Just don't do it. It's like, consider the source. That's what Jesus did. And the Bible says when he did, he said, but Jesus remained silent. How cool is that? People don't know what to do with silent people. They don't know. What are you thinking? Tell me now. Attack, attack, attack. <laughs> Chill out. We have a, a uh, my family has a GroupMe app. So rather than, it's like texting, but it's not because you don't have to put people's names in. Everybody, you, you create the group, and then once you hit a text, everybody gets it. So yesterday, uh, I have a, a son in Seattle. A son in Los Angeles, a daughter in Miami, and I have two kids here. And so they they're all old enough to have this interaction. Now Victoria's almost eighteen, so she didn't get involved, but the other four are talking politics, okay? <laughs> Everybody got that, didn't you? Huh? <laughs> yeah. We all got that. Where's this going? Oh now you're really on the edge of your seats. So I'm watching them discuss back and forth, you know, and they're, they're talking. I mean, they're texting. It's actually, it actually uh, seemed to be pretty healthy dialogue. And there were times I wanted to jump in, and I thought, no, remain silent. Because <sighs> this is going to be chaos. I mean, come on, man. we got the whole world in a funk. Can I just tell you something? When I got up this morning, Jesus was still on the throne. He's still in charge of the world. It's that simple. And so... I'm watching this go back and forth literally for hours. I mean, it, the 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 thread on this thing was going, 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 and finally, I, I just I just thought, well, okay, how can I engage? So I, I went to a GIF and and I got a, a a moving picture of Pedro and I said, I'm voting for Pedro, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. You know, I thought, hey, that was the end of political conversation. All the I just blew it for us, like. You know, because, I mean, I, I, listen to me. I, I want all of us to understand. Don't be critical of somebody who's voting for somebody different than you. Look, love each other. Why? why? I mean, why, what are you going to do? You're not going to win a friend by attacking. I can't even watch debates because they're both attacking each other. I just want to go be a father and slap both of them. Yeah. Shut up. Love each other. Tell us what you're going to do for us. Quit telling us how stupid each of you are because we already got that. You get out of sync real quick in this political environment. Look, don't get mad. Some of y'all are going to be, if you don't change and synchronize with God, you are going to lose friends and family over some person who's in a white house outside of God's house and ain't going to be a house when we go to God's house in heaven. Silence chaos by remaining silent. Let's remain silent sometimes. I know it's hard for all of you really smart people. Filled with wisdom and accurate knowledge of how things should be. Save it. People are the most important thing you have. That's the most important thing we have, relationships that we have, most important thing we have. And you know what? It just breaks my heart when, when we get so off course. We've never had a perfect president ever, and we never will. We never will. And, you know, it just, I don't care if I like somebody or don't like somebody naturally in the secular sense of that, but it does break my heart no matter if I'm on their side or not when they're attacked and assaulted and chaos. I, I just don't believe that's the right thing to do. I had a dream one time when, when, when Bill was running for office. And, uh, you know, I, I like I like Bill was really, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary and I just so glad we're flying around on it 747. Yeah, it's some blast. <laughs> and I, I just didn't really care for Bill that much at the time. And God gave me a dream, and he said, and in the dream, uh, Bill was coming to my house. And God said, if he came to your house, would you have the wherewithal to love him the way I love him? (sighs) Never forget that dream. And I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, then you know what? You need to love him that way. He may never come, but if he did, I would want you to be able to love him the way I love him. That's how God wants us to feel about everyone. And, you know, the things that are being said about Hillary and Donald, they're real people. They're real people. And we ought to respect them, not as for their position, but for the people that they are. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for Donald and Hillary. You can smoke that all week. <laughs> I'm not sure you'll get high, but you can smoke that all week. not in my notes (laughs) probably ought to come back to my notes (laughs) oh I'm having so much fun I sure love being here with you guys (laughs) silence chaos by removing yourself from it when possible sometimes you just have to take a step back there was a pastor and a parishioner out playing golf at the local country club and it was a tight match and uh they're both very competitive and So they were coming down to the last hole. On the last hole, the the pastor got up, and he thought, man, i got to drive this. i got to win this match. So he gets up, and he looks over the ball. He addresses it, and he makes a swing. And and instead of the ball flying down the fairway, it went about 12 feet in front of the tee box. And man, as only a minister can do, thinking, "I, I can't say what I want to say right now. And he just, he looks and he, he frowned, he glared at the ball, bit his lip and turned red. But he didn't say anything, he was silent. parishioner knew what he had to be feeling and he said, uh, Pastor, that was the most profane silence I've ever heard. <laughs> but at least he had to guess. Remaining silent will... Cause the chaos to get less. And then lastly, cares are draining to our faith. Criticisms, of, criticisms are attacking. Chaos is distracting. But cares are draining. And the reason for cares is because the criticism and the chaos goes uncontested. If you do not contest, not verbally, but in your soul, if you do not contest the criticism, challenge it with God's word in your mind, in your confession, in your thoughts. If you do not contest that and contest the chaos and say, I will not let that get in me. It may be around me, but it's not going to be in me. Then it will become a care in your life. So in your home, for instance, you can simply look at your kids and say, you know what, I understand there are going to be conflict." There's going to be chaos. There's going to be criticism, but we're not going to let it invade our home. I'm not going to let it. I, I tell our staff, I will not allow negativity, and I will not allow that in our church. So if you want to be critical, go up in that field right over there. We'll wave at you. Peace out and pray for rain. Anyway, so uh... <laughs> there is just no place, no reason for criticism. You know, my daughter, uh, my baby girl, I got a call in June, and I was out of town, actually, and it startled me. She had had a car wreck and uh, totaled her car, just totaled it. I mean, it looked horrible. Now... So when I, when I got with her, I came, I said, sweetheart, how are you? How are how you feeling after? I said, I knew physically she was okay, but I said, how are you emotionally? How are you doing? And she said, Dad, I, I was fine until I realized there were two kids in the other car. It was her fault. Nobody was hurt. Nothing happened. But, but you know, I, I never said anything to her other than, you know, I'm just glad you're okay. Everything will be fine. If that would have been my first son, I would have killed him. <laughs> what, what are you thinking? I know I taught you to drive better than that. Yeah. You remember the days, the first, all of you first children, God bless you. We're so sorry. We are so sorry. Because you were expected to be perfect. You represented the family. Look at my kid. Yeah. Yeah. i, I got to tell you, this is just humorous. Don't get mad at me, but it's kind of a joke. I, I, I love it. The bumper sticker says, my C student beat up your honor student. I mean, I'm just saying it. <laughs> Because I hate, you know, I mean okay. Anyway, um it's like because the first kid, man, you're expected to be perfect, you know, and, and you're not. And your parents aren't. And so we, we get critical. Why did you do this? I actually, this happened, this is a true story. My son, Chris, who's awesome, incredible young man. But he had, a, he had an accident. I remember when he was like 16 or 17, and he, it was a little slick, and he ran into somebody. And I thought, okay, because this is how I roll. This is how my dad taught me. You pay for it. So I said, you won't pay. It was like 1300 bucks. So what I did recently, in the last couple of years, I sent him a check. I said, son, I was, I'm so sorry that when you were a kid, I made you pay for your first accident. So here's the check that you wrote. I mean, I didn't know how to be a parent, and all the books out there conflict with each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, who's going to read Dr. Spock? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I know it's not the same guy, but I thought it was funny. So anyway, Matthew 6, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. In the original language, that's don't care. Don't have a care. Care will exhaust you. You will drain emotional energy. Some of you have, are still thinking about someone's criticism in your life 30 years ago, and it's draining your energy. I wonder if I'm really that way. I wonder if I'm going to be that way. I wonder. And all, every day you think about it, and you're exhausted at the end of the day, and you've done nothing but eat potato chips. You've laid on the couch. You've done nothing, but you've listened to that voice over and over because it went uncontested. You didn't challenge it. You didn't say that's a lie. You didn't say, you don't need to tell them it's a lie. You need to tell yourself it's a lie. That's not who I am. That's not what my life is about. Waste valuable time to try to fix what only faith can change. Tell you something, if you give things time, God will change it. If it needs to be changed, God will change it. You and I can't fix everything, but we can monitor what's going on in us and around us. One of my blogs, and I'm about to close with this. Um, and some of you, anyway, that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, in our church, we have two or three closings. What I learned, I wrote a, vlog, a blog. What I learned in my in, the, in my dark in my dark ages, and well, one day I just went down this list of you know I'm not near as. Uh, wonderful, as my mother said I was, I mean because <laughs> you know my mother was extremely affirming my dad was the opposite, and uh, so you know I, I was going down this list and here 's what I would say to you because I heard words like this after my my uh, failure became public on five continents. there was nowhere to hide, and I heard some of the harshest words that you you could ever hear that had I not Measured those against God's word and synchronized my faith with His word, I wouldn't have made it. I heard some of the meanest words. One of the one of the phrases they said, "Mark Crow is toxic." I thought, you know, I I never read that in the Bible. It's a new word that we've made up to really make people mad. Thank you. that was a bell from heaven. God said amen. Yes, okay, so. I'm loving today. Let there be light. Ding. Thank you, Lord. All is well. But I heard that word and And I I went and I said, Oh, I can synchronize with that or I can synchronize with truth. And guess what the truth is? Mark Crow's not toxic. Mark Crow is righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who I am. You can say whatever you want to say. I'm synchronized with God's truth. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm all of that in a bag, a bag, a bag, a bag of chips. I'm a whole shelf of chips. And see, some people say, that's so arrogant. No, I'm just synchronizing with God. God thinks you're wonderful. God thinks you're incredible. I mean, come on, who would send their only begotten son to die for a bunch of stupid delinquents? God thinks you're incredible. Sometimes we just need to strut our Christian stuff. then I heard, uh, I heard this, which really kind of shocked me. Uh, and this was a friend of mine. And I don't think he meant it, but it landed on me pretty hard. He said, you're damaged goods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that feels good. You're right. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God never allows a sin to go without some wonderful response. Then I went to 2 Samuel twenty two, twenty one. 21 God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. That's all you have to do. God said, I'm going to make your life complete. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's never going to change because of a circumstance, a crisis, or a sin. That's who you are. It's not what you did. And you are not what you did. You are who you are. You are who you are created. Not what you do with your life, but what God did to give you life. And then lastly, I heard these words, things will never be the same. Does that really, don't you just feel good when somebody says that to you? Your life shall forever suck, thus saith the Lord. (laughs) And I thought about it. And I thought, that's not a bad thing. I've read somewhere in the Bible where the latter shall be greater than the former. Bless the Lord. So I went, you know what? It shall be greater than the former. And see, now some of you feel bad about that because that means your life previous sucked. No, it didn't. It just means we're going from glory to glory. That's all it means. We're just moving from one place of glory to another place of glory. And every now and then we step in a cow patty. Best way I know to put it. For those of us who grew up in the country, you remember that. Running in the fields when you were kids with no shoes on, and that warm sensation hits? That is, if it was fresh? If not, you stub your toe. Anyway, so, you city slickers are not getting this, are you? We need to have a cow patty day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nothing, but it'll help you grow. That's the reason I'm six feet. It fertilized me. Uh, My brothers are 5'8". I guess they missed the patty. (laughs) Anyway, so... (laughs) Okay, thank you, Lord. The Bible also says laughter is good medicine, so I thought I'd give you a spoonful before we departed. All right, so... We should pray. (laughs) Lord, we do love you, and we are so grateful that you allow us, you encourage us to laugh, you encourage us to trust, you encourage us to live joyful, peaceful lives. And Lord, we know that you've made that available to us, all those things available to us, and it's our choice. So today, Lord, we choose life. We choose blessing. And, Lord, we choose the joy that comes being in your presence, the joy that the Bible says is unspeakable. We can't even define it. And, Lord, that comes only by putting our faith in you. And so, Lord, I pray today for everyone in this room that there would be no one leave here downcast, depressed, sorrowful, without Christ, lost and looking and searching and wondering about eternity, God. I pray that no one would leave in that kind of confusion and chaos today. Without contesting the negative, hurtful words that have been cast at them throughout their lives. God, you made them by design. There are no accidents here today. There are no accidents watching online. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if today you're not a Christian. And you want to become a Christian and lay your sins down at the feet of Jesus. And be absolutely sure that your eternity is heaven. No one looking around. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now and say, pray for me. That's me. Lift him up. Thank you. Pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Father God, I'm so grateful that you sent your only son to die on the cross for me. Today I call on your name. That means I'm saved no matter what anyone says. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.